I'm Maria Hill, and this is The Haunted Spaces, a podcast of short stories about the paranormal. It's October 2021, fall, my favorite. When I was a kid, having a birthday in the fall sucked. I was always younger than everyone else and had to wait until the following school year to turn the age my friends had all turned the previous spring. Now, I absolutely love that I get to celebrate my birthday during the best month of the year. It's all sweaters, boots, and pumpkin everything. I don't even care how basic it is. It's amazing. The first episode of The Haunted Spaces coincides with the most wonderful time of the year. Ghost stories are good at any time of the year, but especially when the season is ripe for them. My stories are not all scary. Now, don't get me wrong. I love a good scary story, and many of mine are. But what I love about ghost stories isn't the scare. It's that they can happen anywhere at any time. There are spirits, ghosts, and paranormal things happening all around us. This podcast is about capturing these stories. The stories of experiences that real-life people have in real-life places. The things that happen in our most comfortable, everyday normal spaces that we spend all of our time in. Here's story number one, The Spot. The sky was clear and sprinkled with stars that night, at first. We had no idea what was about to happen. I still don't fully understand it. Looking back, I wish we had not gone to that party. But we were 17, and it was a Friday night in a small town. What else was there to do? We climbed into Eddie, just as old hand-me-down Eddie Bauer Jeep, and turned up the radio. Laughter and singing filled the car. We reached out the windows into the wind as we soared down the road past quiet country houses and fields. Our hair whipped around wildly and our clothes stuck to our bodies from the pressure of the wind. As we approached the woods on Tassel Hill, Jess leaned over and adjusted the dial button until it clicked and the music went silent. The blaring of low rider was replaced by the popping of tires over the gravel road beneath us. Eddie was the perfect chaperone for three inexperienced drivers navigating dark and twisting, heavily wooded roads. The only way to get through the labyrinth of unnamed pathways was by memory. We drove slowly in silence, balancing carefully as the vehicle went over bumps and potholes in the dirt. We were in complete darkness as we got deeper into the woods, with only Eddie's front lights to guide us. Dark trees loomed over us like giant statues, pleading silently for us to turn back, trying to keep us hidden from the dark nighttime. Every now and then, stars would poke through the tops of the trees and then disappear just as quickly as they appeared. When the road curved slightly to the left by the big fallen oak tree, there was a sharp right and then a left at the giant pothole before the trees parted and opened to a large clearing in the middle of the woods. The spot the Friday night place where no parents could find us. Hand-me-down cars and pickup trucks lined the path to the clearing, and shadowed teenagers peppered the area around the bonfire in the center. We hopped out of Eddie and slammed the doors shut. As we made our way toward the fire, glowing faces shifted into focus and morphed into familiar friends. 
muted conversations and laughter became clearer and understandable. A car was playing music through its open windows. Steve, Jess shouted and jumped into her boyfriend's arms. Hey, babe, he kissed her on the lips and handed her a drink. I rolled my eyes and grabbed Becky's arm as we kept walking. I thought this was going to be more of a girl's night, I said to her quietly. Did you really expect him not to be here? She raised her eyebrows. She can't go anywhere without him. I guess, I sighed, but she could have at least told us. We walked to the edge of the fire and finally stopped to look around. Becky spotted a guy that she thought was cute from her chemistry class and turned toward me with a silent, excited scream. Max is here, she said in a breathy, excited voice. Her hands immediately went to her long black hair and smoothed it out to the side of her shoulder. She brushed off her shirt and jeans and adjusted her bra. Wish me luck, she said with a wink and skipped off toward him. What? I stood there with my hands in the air and watched her bounce over to Max and his group of friends. Disappointment washed over me. I shoved my hands in the pockets of my jacket. Maybe I should have brought a book, I thought, frustrated by my friend's abandonment. I stood and watched the flames shifting the light around them as they danced and reached toward the sky, sending tiny sparks into the air around them. The nights were getting chilly as the summer months came to a close on our last summer of high school. Next year, we would be off to college. I wonder what Amy's doing, I thought to myself. Amy had moved to Chicago for college a couple of months ago. She had found an internship at a magazine, so her summer was cut short, and she left us early. Now it was just me and my parents. My thoughts shifted to them at home. What do parents even do with no kids in the house? Are they taking advantage of this alone time? Ew, I shuddered. I looked up at the bright stars above the clearing. My eyes moved over to the dark trees that stood still around the perimeter of a crowd of giants leaning in and watching from the sky. I followed down their bodies as they faded into complete blackness where they met the ground with silence and stillness. Just as I was about to turn back toward the fire, I noticed some movement at the tree line out of the corner of my eye. I glanced quickly in that direction and squinted as my eyes adjusted to the darkness. The blurry, dark shadow came slowly into focus. What the, I said out loud. In the darkness at the edge of the trees stood the forms of two small bodies, one taller than the other. They faced the direction of the fire and I could just make out enough features to know that they were children and they were looking right at me. My eyes grew wider and I instinctively reached out and nudged the first person near me. Billy, I said quietly and nudged him again, this time harder. My eyes remained on the figure in the trees. Billy, who was talking to Joe, turned toward me. Ow, what the hell, Kate? He rubbed his arm and both of them turned to look at me. When I didn't move, they came and stood next to me, looking in the direction that I was staring in. Guys, there's something over there, I said to them, almost in a whisper. I think it might be kids. Kids? Joe questioned. Why would there be kids out in the middle of the woods in the middle of the night? I don't know. Look, over there by the tree line, I pointed. 
Billy bent his neck to the side, balancing on one foot, and Joe leaned over on his knees, both of them trying to focus on what I was showing them. A look of realization crept into Joe's face. He stood up slowly and turned toward me and Billy. Oh my God, you're right. I think that is a couple of kids. He hit Billy in the shoulder with the back of his hand. Come on, we need to go see if they're in trouble. He started walking in the direction of the figures. No, I grabbed his jacket. I have a really bad feeling about this. Kate, there shouldn't be any kids out here. What if they need help? He continued walking toward them. Billy rubbed his shoulder, but followed. Why does everyone keep hitting me tonight? He whined. The three of us walked quickly in the direction of the shadows, keeping our eyes on them. As we got closer, Joe in the lead, then Billy, and I stayed behind them. The closer we got to the shadowy figures, the clearer focused they became. Dread filled my body like I had never felt before. It was definitely two kids, and they stared back at us in silence. The older kid seemed to be maybe in middle school, and the younger, only five or six. Fear prickled down my neck. Why weren't they moving, and why weren't they making any noise? I ran ahead of Joe and Billy and stopped, putting my hands out to keep the guys from getting any closer. Something isn't right, I said. Well, we can't just leave two little kids out in the... Well, we can't just leave two little kids out alone in the woods in the middle of the night, Joe pleaded with me. This just doesn't feel right, I thought quickly. Give me your phone, I looked at Billy, holding out my hands. He pursed his lips. Why? he asked. Well, we can't just leave two little kids out alone in the woods in the middle of the night, Joe pleaded with me. This just doesn't feel right, I thought quickly. Give me your phone, I looked at Billy, holding out my hands. He pursed his lips. Why, he asked. Come on, Billy, quick, I said, starting to get annoyed with him. Ugh, fine. He fumbled into his pocket and took it out, thrusting it into my hands. I slid open the screen and turned the flashlight on, panning the phone up in front of me to see the kids better. I pointed the light at the tree line, but they were gone. We walked closer and used the light to scan the edge of the woods, but they were nowhere to be found. We looked at each other in disbelief. Where'd they go? We moved the light side to side, searching for the kids. As I stepped closer to the tree line, a giant raindrop hit me in the cheek. I held my hand out to the side and looked up at the sky. The stars had been replaced by a large gray cloud, and the raindrops fell quicker and faster as it turned into a hard rain. In a matter of seconds, shrieking and laughter filled the space around us as everyone scrambled to their cars, jumping over logs and grabbing whatever belongings they had with them. Joe, Billy, and I turned back toward the fire and ran to Billy's truck. I threw my jacket over my head to keep myself dry. We swung the doors open and jumped into the cab, slamming the doors behind us. I glanced back at the fire and thought what I saw was the silhouette of a child standing in front of it watching us leave the spot. Oh my God, I gasped. What? Joe replied, worried. Nothing, never mind, I said, fighting back tears. Just keep driving, I frantically said to Billy and turned around to face the front. I pulled my knees to my chest and sat silently until we were out of the woods. 
When we got to Billy's house, everyone went inside. Billy handed out some towels so we could dry off and ordered us a pizza. What a crazy storm, Jess said. She opened a can of Pepsi and grabbed a handful of chips. She sat on Steve's lap. I rolled my eyes at them. That was awesome, Max laughed, crunching on a mouthful of pretzels. Did you see how fast that storm came in? The guys just looked at each other and shook their heads. I again rolled my eyes in disgust. God, what does she see in him? I thought. He seems like such an idiot. The couples grabbed the bowls of snacks and headed to the family room in the back of the house to watch a movie. You guys coming? Steve asked. No, we'll stay here until the pizza comes, Joe replied. Billy, Joe, and I listened as Jess and Becky giggled down the hallway. Once we heard the volume of the movie, then we knew they couldn't hear us anymore. Guys, when we left the spot, one of those kids was standing in front of the fire, watching us leave. I told them in a hushed voice. No, Kate, they weren't even there, remember? Joe tried to reason with me. Once we turned the light on, we didn't even see anything. Yeah, it just must have been the dark playing tricks on us, Billy agreed. I shook my head. No, they were definitely there. I crossed my arms over my chest and bit my thumbnail. I paced back and forth and stopped at the kitchen island. I slammed my hand down on the marble countertop. I don't know where they went or what they were, but they were definitely there, and I don't think they were kids. Billy chuckled to himself. What? What do you mean you don't think they were kids? What were they then? Ha! I thought you said they weren't there. I snapped back. Billy looked at Joe and just shrugged his shoulders. Well, Billy began. The doorbell rang. Pizza's here, Joe said. He jumped up and left the kitchen and walked through the entryway and swung the front door open. A small child stood there, looking down at the ground. He looked to be about six years old, wearing gray pants and a white shirt. His hair was shiny black and covered his face as he looked down. Excuse me, sir. He spoke quietly to the ground. Can I come in and use your phone? I need to call my mom. Joe stood there in disbelief. Um, hold on a second, he said quickly and shut the door. He ran into the kitchen and told us what he saw, stumbling over his words. What are you talking about? Billy questioned him. We walked over to the front door and we each peered out a small window on either side. There stood a small child facing the door with his head bowed down to the ground. His hands remained in his pockets, and he didn't look up at all. His hair hung in front of his face so that his eyes were covered. That feeling of dread washed over me again. Don't let him in, I said to Joe. That's the kid from the spot. Well, where's the other one, he replied. Knocking at the front door made us all jump. What are we supposed to do, Billy asked. I yelled through the door. What do you want? The child's voice asked again. Can I come in and use your phone? I need to call my mom. We can call her for you, I shouted back. The banging on the door got louder. Jess came out from the living room. What's going on out here? She asked. We heard some shouting. Uh, nothing. We're just fine out here. We're just dealing with some kids that are pranking us, I told her, and walked her back to the family room. Stupid little brats, she snarled. 
The rain wasn't letting up and it was dark outside, really dark. The stars and moon were no longer visible and it was like something threw a blanket over the sky to block out all of the light. The knocking turned into banging and the child yelled, let me in. We looked at each other, not sure what to do. Joe looked out the window again and said, oh shit. What? I questioned. There's another kid out there. He's standing on the steps behind the little one. My heart raced. I got a sudden burst of courage and flung open the door and yelled, what do you want from us? The smaller child stood still, looking at the front of the porch. He didn't answer. The older child stood back a little, waiting on the steps. He looked out toward the street. Well, I shouted, what the hell do you want? The smaller child looked up at me and smiled. His hair moved away from his face, and I saw his eyes for the first time. His eyes were black, completely black, with no pupils or irises. They were dark and blank with something sinister behind them. You need to let us in so we can call our mother, he said. His black eyes stared into mine, and I stared back, frozen with fear. Let us in, he growled. The other boy turned and took a step toward us with his hands balled into fists. Let us in, he repeated slowly. We need to call our mother. You must let us in. His eyes were black like the smaller boy. I snapped out of it and screamed back. No way! You will not be invited in. You are not welcome here. I slammed the door shut and stood with my back against it, breathing heavily. Their eyes, I trailed off. Billy and Joe stared at me in disbelief. Their eyes are completely black, not like a normal person. There were no whites. Banging from the other side shook the entire wall. Let us in, they screamed from the porch. I slid my body down the door and put my hands to my ears. Go away, I said quietly to myself. Go away. I closed my eyes and repeated this over and over to myself. Billy and Joe rushed to my side. It's okay, Joe said. It's okay. He rubbed my arm. The three of us sat huddled next to each other in, in front of the door. They comforted me, even though I knew they were also scared. We waited until the pounding on the door stopped and silence stood in its place. Suddenly the doorbell rang, with Billy gasping and jumping back. Oh no, oh no, I said to myself and slid myself away from the door. This time it was Joe who stood up with his back to the door and yelled, Who is it? Sales pizza, the guy on the other side shouted back. Joe's tense shoulders relaxed and he sighed. He opened the door and took the pizza from the confused delivery guy. You okay, man? He asked Joe. You look like you just saw a ghost. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Just thought you were someone else, Joe replied. He handed him a tip and shut the door, locking it behind him. Not a word to anyone, Joe said, and walked past us back to the kitchen. He called the others out to have some pizza. They came walking through the kitchen door, laughing and talking about the movie. Billy, Joe, and I sat in silence and watched them eat. I could see that they knew something was up. 
I caught the glances from Jess to Steve and from Becky to Jess. Um, are you guys okay? Becky asked us. Us? Billy looked at me and Joe and back to the others. Oh, yeah, we're just super tired. It's been a long night. He faked a yawn and stretched his arms. I nodded along and agreed. Well, the rain stopped. Maybe we should get going home so we don't miss our curfew. Becky grabbed her purse and my hand and walked us toward the front door, just skipping behind us. Why are you being so weird? She whispered. I'm not. I looked back at the boys in the kitchen. Joe was begging me with his eyes to keep my mouth shut. And of course I did. The three of us hopped into Eddie and drove in silence back to our houses. This time, the windows were closed and we were not laughing. The quiet houses had a more serious feel to them on the way home. When Jess pulled into my driveway, I asked her to stay until I was in the house with the door closed behind me. Once I was in the house, I turned to wave so that she knew I was okay. I watched her back out of my driveway and turn away down the road. As her car passed the streetlight, a couple houses down, I caught a glimpse of two figures standing beneath it. They were still and facing in my direction. This is Maria Hill, and you've been listening to The Haunted Spaces. Tune in next week to hear a new ghostly tale. Until then, keep your eyes and ears open for what may be sharing your spaces.